Thanksgiving, being thankful, is a recognition that you have gotten something, a gift that's come to you from outside of yourself. You're saying thank you for something. Somebody's bought you a meal and you say thank you. I didn't do that. You did that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Thanksgiving is the, the, the thing that we tell our kids to go say thank you to everyone after the, the presents have been opened. Go give your grandma a hug, give your grandpa a hug, tell them thank you. Because we're trying to teach them to be grateful for what they've gotten that they didn't do on their own. Justin shared a great message with us Sunday about this idea of being thankful and living a life that is thankful. And just like as, as kids, we need to learn how, we, we need to help our kids recognize what they need to be thankful for. We need to make sure we're recognizing what we need to be thankful for. So we're going to take about five minutes here, and we're going to do something that may stretch some of you. I like to do things that stretch you sometimes. And, and if you're here with your family and you've got your kids with you, I just want you to get in a little group with them. If you're not here with any family or friends, get, get with a couple of other people. I, I, this, is the, this is the night we don't want there just to be two people in a group. We want there to be four or five or six in a group. And so find some people. And then if you've got your family getting you look around and you see one or two people by themselves, grab them in and somebody's going, oh no, he's going to make us talk. Yes, going to make you talk. And, and just take a couple of minutes and go around the circle once or twice and just exercise this thought of what am I thankful for? We saw it on this video clip. What are you thankful for? Really sincerely thankful. The only answer you cannot give is everything. Be specific about something you're thankful for. So go ahead, stand up right now. Get with some people around you. Get with your family. And make sure your kids are a part of this. Invite them to share in the middle of this. And uh, take a couple of minutes and talk about what you're thankful for. Okay, we're having too much fun at church now. We're going to have to... We're going to have to stop. Over the years, when, uh, when I do something like this and ask you to do something like this, I've, I've had men, usually men, tell me later, I hate it when you do that. And I'll say, why? And say, I'm not, not good at that. And I'll, I'll tell them, you're not good at it because you don't practice it. If you practice it, you'll get good at it. Uh, listen, dads, moms, uh, your children love for you to look them in the eye and tell them you love them. Now, when they get 16, 17, and you haven't done it for five years and you do it, they freak out. They don't know how to act. But when you've been doing it all of their life, they love it and they say it back. You know, I, my wife and I, we determine our kids we're going to hug them. We're going to hug them all their life. When, I, when some of them got home from college last night, I was late getting back in the house and they were there before I was. And, you know, they came to the door and dad's home and came like they were little kids and grabbed me and hugged me. And it was a great a great moment. 
And you know the interesting thing that I found? As we continued to hug them, it, it wasn't long until their friends were hugging us. Their friends would come in the door. Say, hey, paps or pappy or old man or whatever. <laughs> and I'd make fun of them and they'd make fun of me and we'd hug. And, and, and now it's, it's, it's interesting because some of them will come with their first paycheck, their paychecks and sit down with me and say, okay, help, help me. What do I do here? And we'll talk about their paycheck and where it's supposed to go and what they need to do with it because they want to get started in the right way. And, but all that starts with conversations. They'll want to talk to me about their boyfriend or their girlfriend. And, but all that started back with us learning how to talk to each other and us teaching them. Part of teaching gratefulness and thankfulness is just like when they're little, we tell them to go, be, but they need to, they need to see you be thankful as well. They need to hear your words of thankfulness. You need to learn to say them, and, and especially when we say them to God. One of our traditions for years, our kids are all grown now, but back when they were at home and we'd go to my mom's house, and, you know, and then we'd go over to Renee's mom's house, and that half-hour drive in between, we wouldn't turn on the radio, we wouldn't let anything, get, everybody had to put everything up. And on Thanksgiving and that ride, we'd, we'd just go around the, the group, and everybody had to say something they were thankful for. And we'd just keep going around the group until we got there. And we wanted to get past the, uh, not that we're not grateful for Jesus, but we wanted to get past, I'm thankful for Jesus, I'm thankful for salvation. We wanted to get down to, you know, I'm thankful for the life God's given me. I'm thankful for the home I'm in. I'm thankful for my brothers and my sisters. We wanted to get down to, some, to, to things that we don't normally say we're thankful for. Because we want, we want that, we want to recognize that all of these things are from outside of us. Our brothers, our sisters, our friends. God's provided every good and perfect gift. And, and let's never forget to be thankful for that. And, and so when we come into worship times, we're thinking about the things we're thankful for and we're blessed in. And we want to be able to express those things. And so I would just challenge you, if you're sitting there saying, I'm just, I'm just not one to talk much, then go write it all down and go in and read it to them. You'll bless them. Because what, what, what we're looking for, when something begins to flow out of our heart to people who love us, they receive that. And so don't, don't be stuck in that. Don't, don't be stuck wishing you'd said things years later. Make sure you're saying them. In Psalm 121, it says this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, touch this word tonight and help us tonight in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Let us see what you're doing for us every day. And help us to instill that in our children, in our homes, in our lives, so they'll always love you and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you have been reading through the Psalms with me these past almost 80 days now. And as we have read, if you've been reading them, by the time we're done at the end of this month, you'll have read through the Psalms about two and a half times. If you've read them with me daily, you may have begun to notice that they are broken, that the Psalms are broken down. There's several books of Psalms inside of the Psalms, and they're broken down sometimes into themes and sometimes by writers. 
Psalm 120 through 134 are known as the Psalms of Ascent. If you were with us in Jerusalem a few years ago, you can go to a place there at the temple steps where we're shown uh, how in Hebrew, in the Hebrew writing of those Psalms of Ascent, the cadence of each psalm that is, uh, that is written is, uh, is, is a, a line that line by line is read with each step leading up to the temple door. So you start at the bottom and you take a step and you say a line of these Psalms of Ascent. Then you take another step and you read another line. It doesn't quite work out in the English, but it works out in, in these Psalms 120 through 134 perfectly uh, in the Hebrew. Uh, the other way that this, these Psalms of Ascent are used is as people were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for, for the festivals, they would read uh, these Psalms or have these Psalms memorized because they spoke of the danger at times of the journey and of their hope of God's protection in the journey. So if you will, you can picture with me a, a faithful pilgrim from the Dead Sea area, which is the lowest point on earth, about 1,200 feet below sea level, who's now setting off on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem that is 2,400 feet above sea level. So they are ascending into Jerusalem, and they're reading, and they're They've got these psalms memorized. Today, if, you're, if you go with us sometime to, to the Dead Sea, uh, you get in the bus afterwards, and you're in Jerusalem in about 40 minutes. In those days, you would walk or ride an animal, and at the best, uh, the best it, it was a full day's journey ascending and walking towards Jerusalem. And Psalm 121 is right at the very beginning of these Psalms of Ascent. And the, the writer writes, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. He's, he's looking up. He's seeing the things above him. Where does my help come from? And then he says it. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. A few years ago, uh, my wife began to notice that in the morning I would get up and uh, I would look at something on my phone and she's always curious as to what I'm looking at. And she'd say to me, what are you looking at? And say, the Weather Channel. And finally, after a few days, like she said, why? Uh, because I, I'd never been that interested in the Weather Channel before. And I told her, I, you know, I'd started riding a bike. And I said, I want to know which way the wind's blowing. And she said, why? Why do you want to know which way the wind's blowing? I said, well, when I go to, the, 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 which way the wind's blowing determines what route I'm going to take today. Because I want to ride into the wind when I go out, so when I'm fresh, and I want the wind to push me when I'm coming back. I don't want to go out and just glide out someplace and have to fight my way back. I want to go out with the wind pushing me, and uh, with the wind against me, and I want to come back with the wind, uh, with the wind, with the wind behind me. I wanted that to my back. If I'm if I'm going out for a walk. I, I try to park at the low point so I can climb at the beginning of the walk so that when I'm coming back to my car, I'm going downhill. 
Downhill when you're walking is better than uphill. Are you with me tonight? Now, that's not a perfect science because as you walk, no matter where you walk or as you ride your bi- a bike, wherever you ride your bike, there are twists and there are turns and the lay of the land changes and there'll be times that even when you're going out, even though you're going one, you, you twist and you turn and all of a sudden you're in the wind for a while or you're going uphill for a while and all of those things are happening to you. And I would tell you tonight, the same is true in life. Same is true in life. I read a story in the last few weeks of about a, a family, a young family. They were out at the Grand Canyon and it was him and his couple of his kids and they decided to walk down this trail and they started going down this trail and they, they were really, it was really going easy for them. Before they knew it, they had walked all 4,000 feet down into the Grand Canyon, about a four and a half mile walk. And he said in the story, he said, as, as I was walking down there with my kids, we noticed, he said, it wasn't that steep the way we were walking, the way the, the trail was kicking back and going back. It didn't seem like it was that steep or that much. We just knew we were going down a little bit. And, and these people were coming up, and they all looked winded and wore out and tired. We thought, man, they're really out of shape. Then we got to the bottom of this thing, and we turned around, and we realized it was steeper than we thought it was. It was a harder uphill climb than we realized. And they, he, said, he talked about the difficulty of making this new trek. See, sometimes we don't count that cost. We don't realize we're going to be against the wind sometimes. We don't count the cost of the steep trail. I believe the psalmist had the experience of previous trips. He knew the climb was going to be tough at times. It was going to be unrelenting. It was going to be wearing. And so as he starts out on on this trip, as he starts out on this journey, he lifts his eyes up to the hills. He sees the challenge that's before him. He sees what is there. And he begins to look for the help that he's going to need for the journey. Don't make the mistake of thinking the mountain's your help. The mountain's going to push against you. Don't miscalculate the journey ahead. Keep in mind, he looked up to the mountain, but the help does not come from the mountain. The mountain is the problem, not the answer. The mountain's going to pull on you. Remember, the maker of heaven and earth is bigger than your mountain. He's bigger than whatever you're facing. He's bigger than whatever you'll go through, and he is there to help. Listen to what he says in Psalm 121.3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. That is good news. He's not going to miss your issue because he's taking a nap. The psalmist knew the danger of the slip. Now, a lot of times people worry about the the big climb. The big climb, you're really, really careful. I have a, a cousin who leads trips to Israel for his school and has led many, many groups there. He's also an expert rock climber. Only God knows why. <laughs> he, he actually teaches and does college classes on how to rock climb. He was over in Israel a couple of years ago and they'd been up on one of the trails up in the, one of the areas they'd gone up to and they were walking down this area that was, he said, as I talked to him later, he said, he said Mark, he said, it it wasn't that steep of an area at all. He goes, we were just walking along. 
I just didn't see a little stone in front of me and he foot hit that stone and he slipped and fell and broke his leg on that trip. He ended up having to come up there and cart him out of there and take him to a hospital and he ended up staying there for weeks and they had to do surgery on his leg. It was a major, a major break of his leg. Many times it's not the big climb that destroys us or the big challenge. We kind of dig our heels in on those. We kind of look at those and say, this is a challenge, this is a thing. And many times we, we push through them. What we've got to be aware of and what the psalmist is aware of here is it's the small slip, the little stone, the little thing that trips us up that ruins the trip. The psalmist knew the danger of the trip, and we should as well. The little compromise today that doesn't seem like a big deal. Just a compromise. Guys, I'm going to keep looking instead of look away. It's the little compromise. I'm going to play with that thought in my head instead of rebuking that thought in my head. It's a little compromise. I'm going to keep this anger in my heart instead of getting rid of this anger in my heart. I'm going to hold on to it. It feels kind of good to be mad right now. I'm going to say the word. I know, I know, I can feel right now I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't say this. I know I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say it anyway. The Spirit's been checked. You know you shouldn't react that way. You know you shouldn't say it that way. You know you shouldn't do it that way. It's the little slips that ruin our testimony in our family, ruin our, our life before others. It's just the lame side of a conviction. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was raised that way. That's the way we were taught. That's, that's, that's the way my mom and dad felt, but I don't have the same conviction that they do. And we lay aside a conviction that they came about through a course of experiences with God that made them say, I don't want that in my life anymore. And without much thought, we give up something that they were very convicted about. It's the little slips. It's the little things. It's the quitting of a spiritual discipline. Yeah, I know I should be more faithful to that, but I, it's not going to get to church. I, you know, if I don't get to church as much as I used to, it's not a big deal. If I don't read my Bible as much as I used to, if I don't pray the way I used to pray, it's the little slips that destroy us. It's those that lead us to places that we wake up someday and we go, where are we? How did we get here? Why does my family think and feel the way they think and feel? Why has all this turned out this way? Where, where am I? It's the little slips. And so the psalmist makes this prayer. God, watch over me. I know you don't sleep. I know you don't slumber. You're, you're watching over me all the time. Watch over me so my foot does not slip. Keep me faithful to you. Let my heart beat with the right heartbeat. Let my spirit walk in the right spirit. Let me keep moving forward. Let me be careful about the slip. Listen, the one who watches over us does not sleep. He does not get tired. If we stay connected to him, if we walk in obedience to him, we will not slip. It's when those little compromises come 
that we slip, and the slip can end the journey. Now, here's the great point in this short little psalm. Here's the great point of thanksgiving. Here's what I hope you go home with tonight. And when you get up tomorrow and you say, why should I be thankful? This is one of the first things that pops into your mind. Psalm 121.5 says this. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Here's the point of thanksgiving. Five times in this short psalm, the word watch is used to describe how God cares for you. It means more than just watching as a bystander. It's the watchfulness of a parent. Like a parent watching a child on a playground, watching them enjoying the fun of the moment, but ready to, (coughs) excuse me, ready to spring into action at any moment that help is required. Just let the wrong guy walk up to your kid. That's like somebody you don't know begin to talk to your child. And what does mom and dad do? They're in between them and that finger in a heartbeat. What's going on? Why? Because we watch. They start to offer your child, what are you giving my kid? Why are you talking to my kid? What's going on here? And God uses this term to say to us, that's how I watch over you. Ready to spring into action anytime you need it. I'm watching you again and again in this psalm. He talks about this issue. That he is there ready to help us. Where are you on your journey right now? You may be sitting here tonight going, wow, Thanksgiving's going to be hard for me. I'm on a tough uphill climb. Well, look up. Look past the mountain and look to the maker of the mountains. You may be sitting here and say, my, my situation is hopeless. Remember, he's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He's watching over you. The one who speaks and worlds come into existence is watching over you like a parent. Do you wonder if you can make it? Listen, he puts the seas in place. He puts the mountains in place. Your problem's not too big for him. Does it seem like a a long way away or even impossible to make the journey? Understand this. He's the one that breathes life into us. He knows how to give you rest from the sun. When the sun beats down on you, he breathes life into you. And I love this because not only does he protect us from the sun, but he protects us from the moon. Think, well, what protection do I need from the moon? How many times have you laid awake at night with the issues of life pounding through your head not able to get to sleep because of the questions that are flowing through your mind the worry and the trouble that flows into our spirit and disrupts our peace the problems of life that haunt our 
that haunt our dreams fill us with worry? Listen, he is ready to spring to action for you. He's looking out for you. The climb seems hard, but he is there for strength. He is guarding you. The enemy is fenced in. He is there to protect you, to lift you up, to keep your foot from slipping into the brokenness of the journey that you're on. This is why I tell you all the time, hey, great thing to do is read the Psalms at night. Because when you read the Psalms at night, you're going to begin to hear about the steadfast love of God. You're going to hear about the faithfulness of God. You're going to hear about the strength of God. You're going to, you can lay down, and when the, the, the enemy begins to haunt you with the worries of the day, you can say, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my strength. I run to, he is an ever-present help in trouble. I can run to him. He will protect me. You can begin to hear the psalmist as they went through all of their troubles and all the hauntings of their life, how they came back to this point that God is their protector protector, not man, not the circumstances of the day. And for that, we can be thankful. We should be thankful every day. He is to breathe that breath into you when the journey seems long, too high, too hot, hot, or too much. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. No mountain is too high for him. Amen? Bless the Lord. Give the Lord a clap offering tonight. This is why we come on a day like tomorrow and no matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you're at in the journey tomorrow, no matter where you're at in your place tomorrow, you may have your life surrounded by things to be thankful for. And tomorrow you may be at a place where if the world looked at you, they would understand if you didn't celebrate too much. But believers, we don't come from that perspective. We come from the perspective that the Lord, our maker, watches over us. He won't let us slip. He won't let us fall. We may not understand the circumstance of the day, but we can count on this. He's going to get us to the end of the journey, and it's going to be victorious. And we get all of that, not because of any good thing we've done. Guess what? We get that because of what Jesus has done. Because he paid the price for us. It's a free gift into his family. And so tonight, before we go home, we want to say thank you and remember what Jesus has done for us. I'm going to ask the ushers, if they would, to prepare themselves to come and serve us communion tonight. And if you're here with your children, if they understand communion, if they understand what this is about, feel free to let them participate. And if they don't, just let them know. Uh, Not until we talk. Not till you understand a little bit better. But let's be thankful tonight for what God has done for us. Amen. Ushers, as soon as you're ready, come and serve us, please. Let's all stand together. Don and Paul, would you come up to the platform? And everybody else, let's, let's end this service down around this altar, and we'll partake of communion together right down here tonight. Don and Paul, I'd like for you at first, Don, I'd like for you just to take a moment and just say something you're thankful for and then pray over the bread tonight, would you? Over the broken body. I'm thankful for a lot of things tonight. 
And as we were sharing around the circle, um, we had a son come home from the Army two weeks ago, and we're very thankful he's home. Uh, we're thankful today for all the things that, you know, the things we've faced in life, the tough times, the trials, and there has not been a time that we've ever been forsaken. And God has always seen us through everything. We're so grateful for that. We're thankful for this church. I'm thankful today that um, I, I went into full-time ministry at 50 years old. And I felt a calling when I was young. And I thank God every day I get to do this. So many things. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful today for your body that was broken yes, for Lord. us. We're thankful today for the work that you did on the cross. Lord, 2,000 years ago, you had us on your mind. And Lord, it was your love that you hung there. Lord God, we're thankful today that you loved us enough that you didn't call the angels. Lord, you are God. Lord, you could have done anything. You were not slaughtered. You were not killed. You gave yourself for us. And Lord, tonight I thank you for that broken body. I thank you that through your broken body, we can have healing. We can have all of the, the benefits of that uh, act that you did on the cross that day. And today, Lord, tonight, Lord God, as we take this bread together as a, as a community, Lord, as a fellowship, we just lift our hearts together in gratitude as we take this and remember in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for a church that has service on Thanksgiving Eve. Pastor and I had lunch with somebody this week and they didn't, another pastor, and find out a lot of churches don't. But it's a night that we come and we give thanks. Thankful for a home. Thank you for a family, kids that serve God. I'm thankful in a couple hours I get to hug my daughter that I haven't had, to, hadn't had the chance to hug in about a month or so. Get to spend Thanksgiving with her. But thankful for a God that's a God in the good times and in the bad times. And whether we're good or we're bad, he still loves us. Heavenly Father, we just come. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you for this cup. Father, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, that day when he hung on that cross, there were so many things that were going through so many minds of those people who stood there at the foot of that cross. I don't think probably any of them said thank you for hanging this man. But today we say thank you for what Jesus Christ did on that cross for us. But Father, no matter how good we are or how bad we are, Father, no matter how many good deeds we do or the sins that we have committed against you, you love us so much. And we give you thanks and praise tonight because you truly are a loving God, a kind, generous, caring God that you see. Father, that you know our hearts. 
Father, I'm so thankful that we have a church that serves you, that loves you tonight. That, Father, as a family in this church tonight, we can give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us partake. You know, some of you will go into homes tomorrow where you don't have any say over the spiritual climate except what you do with yourself and how you pray going into that home. And we're going to pray that God gives you grace and peace walking into that place and that God gives you opportunity in that place to glorify his name. Uh, Some of you are in places where you do control the spiritual climate. You, you do have say into what happens. And I want to encourage you today to use it. Use it. Establish tradition. Establish conversation. Remind people what we're thankful for. When I think of Thanksgiving and I think of Christmas, one of the things I, I worry about is how we secularize these events. And, and even to a point family becomes higher than what the event is. Whenever I have a, somebody say to me, Pastor, I can't come to church on Christmas Day or Easter, Easter Sunday because I'm cooking for the family. You know what? I, I think they're raising family to a higher point than what the day is. The day's not, as much as we enjoy family and I celebrate the family as a key part of it, the day's a day to be thankful. Christmas is a day to celebrate that Jesus was born. Easter is a day to celebrate that he was resurrected from the grave. So don't lose sight of these opportunities that we have. Does that mean we shouldn't have family events? No. We, that, that's where we really pounded home, is that it's about Jesus. It's about our thankfulness to what God has done for us. It's about what's given to us that is outside of ourselves. None of us could give ourselves life. God gave us life. None of us could earn our eternity. Jesus came and paid the price for our eternity. And this God who loves us is watching over us. Amen? Amen. Father, we close this night saying thank you. We close this night rejoicing in you. We close this night, Father, just being grateful for salvation, being grateful, Father, for the hope of eternity, being grateful for your provision for us throughout the the year as, as we are thankful every day. We just bring it to a pinnacle of thankfulness tomorrow. Let our homes be filled with the spirit of thankfulness to you for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name. And now for men and women in this room who are going into homes who don't celebrate that thankfulness. It's just a feast time to them. They don't think about what you've done for them. Father, I I pray that in gentle, loving, yet powerful ways you would enhance the voices of men and women who know you in those settings so that the name of your son would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Go in the name of the Lord and may his joy be in your heart tonight.